There was a study that I was reading last week that we walked through on Friday about this decline in marriage and society, and they ended up connecting the decline in religious practice as well. And I thought it was really interesting. They said that as we're seeing the lowest numbers ever in terms of people getting married at the same time, we're seeing that group of, as they identify nuns, uh, who don't identify as any religion, I'm not talking about the habited nuns, this group of young people have actually even said that one out of three of them have never attended any religious service while growing up. That's staggering. A third of young people today haven't been involved at all in any type of religion in their formative years. And so it made me ask this question. Are we happier without religion? There's been this correlation where we've seen a decline not only in religious practice, but also in starting families, staying connected to your family. And it's clearly influenced the lower numbers of marriages and new babies coming into this world. But what is the attitude of people who don't have any type of religion whatsoever? It's actually really interesting. So if we were to look at uh, some comments from humanists, they often talk about this blissful sense of ignorance that Christians live their life in, and that's why they claim to be happier, because they're blissfully ignorant. We're just dumb if we believe in God. (laughs) On the other perspective, psychologists talk about this sense of comfort and meaning. In fact, I'll name it in the Washington Post. There is a psychology professor from Amherst College by the name of Katherine Sanderson. And she claims that religious people are happier because they have beliefs, quote, that give them, that give people a sense of meaning and a sense of well-being or comfort. So we feel safe. We feel comfortable. We feel like someone else is in control. So we're happier. As I mentioned, humanist Maggie Ardente refers to this Christian sense of well-being and trusting in God's hands as blissful ignorance. Isn't that interesting? So to believe in a higher power is to make you ignorant and is to make you someone who blindly trusts in things. This is an argument some people say, you know, I'd rather live in reality to dictate my life over kind of creating a false sense of well-being. So why is it, though, that we see over and over again that people who actively practice their religion are happier? Well, if you look at some of the studies, they show that people who practice their religion believe in the importance of gratitude, in giving. They find it important to be involved in charitable activities. We'll actually talk in just a little bit about how important volunteering is. But I want to come back to what this humanist Maggie Ardente said. So she not only referred to a Christian understanding of well-being as blissful ignorance, but she went on to say this. There is often a sense of happiness and the freedom that comes from thinking critically, Shedding outdated and quite often discriminatory religious beliefs and embracing truth. So what she's saying here is that you really are happier and more free if you just think for yourself. Think critically and get rid of those discriminatory outdated beliefs. And when that happens, you will be enlightened. You will be able to embrace truth. This is in many ways what 
many forms of yoga and other enlightenment theology, or should I say philosophy, really pushes. You are freer the less connected you are to anyone and anything else. So this so-called humanist perspective is actually radically contrary to the human perspective we understand of the human person from the perspective of what the church teaches, what scripture and tradition point to. That the human person is created for what? Communion. You and I are created to be with one another. We are created not only for the community of people that we are around here on earth, but we're created to be in communion with God. This is fundamental. No person can deny the fact that they were created and born into a family. Even if a mother or a father is absent, you can only come into the world through some sort of intervention of human intimate love, or even today, through a simulation of it, through the means that are being used via in vitro fertilization in order to conceive and create new life. And even those people who, let's say, are brought into this world via in vitro fertilization and surrogacy, or even people who have been adopted. Some of my dearest friends have been adopted. And I have seen them walk through this journey, this search for meaning. How? Their search for meaning has come from looking for who their biological mother and father are. Whether they were adopted, placed for adoption, or whether that whether or not they were conceived via in vitro fertilization. And it's fascinating to me, this desire to be connected, to belong, is so important. This is a fundamental dimension of the human person, that communion of persons. And so I have a real problem with this humanist approach to life and that they really are happier because that doesn't really fall in line consistently of what we know about human nature And much of what science and psychology show. You see, the humanist approach really does say there's a problem in connecting the body and the soul. And it creates this body-soul division because we're longing for communion and connection with people and God. But the humanist is saying, no, just use your brain. Just embrace truth. And I'm not saying not to think. Thinking that intellectual life is a fundamental dimension of Christianity But we have to be aware of the kind of way of the world and how it influences all of us. There's a sense of, well, if I can just control every single situation, well, then I'll be happy. So ultimately, it comes back to this idea of control. And I think of some of our great guests here on Trending. For example, Dr. Susan Caldwell, who shares her fertility journey and her struggle with fertility and even within her marriage, within her career. And all the challenging points in her life that brought her to where she is today. Where she's chosen now this life of incredible service, working with women who couldn't otherwise conceive children, helping to address underlying health causes rather than turning to in vitro fertilization. She'll be on at the end of this week to share more of her story. And it's fascinating to me because she points to how her choice to use IVF, and by the way, she recommends it for no one because of the harm it had on her marriage, her body, and her family. But she said her choice to use IVF, her choice to use contraception for all those years prior to that, had everything to do with control. And it's interesting because here's someone who 
grew up with some faith, came back into her faith. All of us are tempted by, if I can only control the situation, then everything will be okay. And I will be on top of everything. And that really is a humanist, secular type of approach to the world. Now, that's different from that saying that you might hear. One of our dear priests here at the church loves to say this. He says, remember, and he'll say it at the end of Mass all the time. Remember, do your best and let God do the rest. But what does that really mean for us as Christians? This is an important question. 